Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. How many of you find your job to be a source of satisfaction and fulfillment and enjoyment? Or you find your job to be a source of frustration, a source of emptiness, that you have a boss that just doesn't understand you, he's not fair, other people get... Well, at least you have a boss. For now, anyway. <clears throat> You're not treated fair at work. You're thinking, well, it's just, it's got, I'm just tired of the hassles that I have to go through all the time. You see your job as a necessary evil. It seems that one of America's favorite pastimes is my gripes about work are worse than yours. You've heard it, hadn't you? Well, man, you just don't know how bad my boss is. Man, he is just comes in in a bad mood. You never know what he's going to say. Oh, yeah, your boss is nothing compared to mine. You ought to hear how bad mine is. And then you go on and on and on. Well, the question is, does God intend for us to be miserable in our jobs? Is it just something we have to accept as a part of life that we will have a job we don't like? Well, I don't think so at all. But let me tell you, the key is not changing jobs but changing you. The key is you. I know people that go from job to job to job looking for happiness, and they don't find it because the problem is not the job. The problem is them. And I'm going to share with you today four scriptural truths that can change you so that you will enjoy your job. That's right. You will enjoy that job you have if you'll take these four scriptural truths and put them into practice. You see, the important thing is not to find a job you enjoy, but to enjoy the job you have. Now, I'm not just talking about those that go to the, to the workplace every day. I'm talking about housewives. You have a job in that home. The cleaning, the washing of clothes, the fixing of meals. If you have young children at home, the changing of diapers, that's your job. I'm talking about students. School is your job. Do you enjoy going to school? Do you enjoy homework? Do you enjoy having to read those books? God wants you to enjoy your job, be it a housewife, be it a student, I'll be someone that goes out to the workplace. Well, have I got your attention? You know, after all, it's a sin to gripe about work. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. All things. That includes work. That includes school. That includes homework. That includes changing diapers. That includes fixing meals. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Take your Bibles. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. 
as we see what God's Word says about how you can enjoy your job. You know, we're celebrating Labor Day this weekend where we recognize laborers, all of those of us who who work. So it's fitting that we see what God says. Now, these words were originally addressed to slaves, but I am certain that we can apply them to us as workers today, as Christian workers. In respect for the Word of God, let me ask you to stand as I read from Colossians chapter 3, verses 23, 24, and 25. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and hearing, and most of all, the obeying of His Word. Four truths that can change your life. Number one, we are to work. Paul says, whatever you do, do your work. Work is ordained by God. Some of us have the mistaken notion that work is an intrusion into God's creation, like sin and disease. And if Adam had not sinned, then you and I wouldn't have to work. They picture us in a lazy man's paradise. There we are in the Garden of Eden. Sin has never entered the human race. We have fruit growing on the trees. We're laying under a shade tree. All we got to do is reach up and pick an apple and eat it. Or pick a banana and eat it. Or pick some grapes and just sit under the shade tree and enjoy ourselves. Leisure 24-7. And so they see work as a necessary evil, as something that has intruded into God's perfect world. But the truth is, if we look closer at the Genesis account, we will see that God intended for Adam to work from the beginning before sin entered into the human race. Over in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 15, God said to Adam, Then the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden, to cultivate it and to keep it. This is before sin entered the human race. God placed Adam in that garden first to cultivate it. Now the root word in the Hebrew there is work. It's translated other places in the Old Testament as to plow. And I've told you before, I never had the opportunity to plow behind a mule, but my dad did, and he said, it's work. And if you've ever plowed behind one, I think you would testify the same thing. And so we're talking about work here. He was to work from the beginning, cultivate it, and keep it. The word keep means to preserve. It means to watch. It means to guard. And so God's intention for Adam was not for him just to lay under a shade tree and pick the fruit and eat, but he was to tend the garden. He was to cultivate it. He was to work the garden. I believe what God is saying is that he has ordained work from the beginning. 
In fact, I cannot speak to the female psyche, but I can speak to the male psyche. We are made to work. We need to have a sense of accomplishment. You take a man that's out of a job, and he's sitting around, he's going to tailspin quickly. It's just something about not being productive, not accomplishing something that works against us men. And it may do the same to you ladies. I just can't speak to it. But I'll tell you, it's much worse to be without a job than to have a job that's even hard and difficult. Because we need to have that sense of accomplishment. God, I believe, built it within us. We are created for the purpose of working. The truth is, we're going to also work in heaven. Again, there are people that think, hey man, there's no work in heaven. We just go 24-7 have a leisure time. One long vacation. Not true. The Bible teaches in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And it's speaking of heaven, the new Jerusalem. And His bondservants, that's us, Christians, will serve Him. We will serve Him. We're not going to just lay around in heaven and be on a 24-7 whitewater Six Flags theme park. We're going to serve our God. And you're going to want to serve God because we were created to work. God ordained work from the beginning. Now some of you might say, well, what about the verse preacher that says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord, for they shall rest from their labors. Well, he's talking about our labors here on earth. But we will still have work in heaven. So the first thing you need to realize in order for you to enjoy that job you have is that work is ordained by God. He intended for us to work. It is not an intrusion into creation. In fact, the Bible denounces those who do not work. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul was writing to a group of people who some were saying, Jesus is coming back soon, so we don't need to do anything. We don't need to work. We're just waiting on Jesus to come back. And he said to those in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Or work is ordained. Notice also, in the commandment about the Sabbath, everybody wants to pick up on the Sabbath, the day of rest. But you know, there's another command in this commandment in Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now we get so caught up in resting on the one day that we forget the commandment also says six days you shall do your work. God intends for us to work. It's not a necessary evil. So stop resisting Work is something that you just have to do because Adam sinned and sin entered into the human race. Now, work did get harder when Adam sinned. Over Genesis 3, God told him, man, you will sweat from your brow to have to produce. It's going to be harder. But from the beginning, God ordained work. We need to work. Second truth. 
We are to work for Jesus. You are serving Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23. As for the Lord, rather than for men. And then again in verse 24. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now, some of you thought you were working for that boss. Or you were working for that company. Or you were working for the state of Georgia. And since you didn't like your boss, and since you didn't like your company, you thought that was a good reason not to do your best at work. Now, you do serve under your supervisor's authority, but you're not serving him. Paul says, you are serving Jesus. He is the one whom you're serving. You're serving the Lord Christ. Now, let's think for a moment. What do you think about your boss? What do you think about your boss? That direct supervisor. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think about him. Because you're not serving him. You might have thought, well, you know, I just don't like him, so I can kind of slack off a little bit. I have an excuse because he's unruly, he's cruel, he's mean. Let me ask you another question. What do you think about the company you work for? Well, you know, preacher, they just don't give me any benefits. They don't even give me health insurance. And no retirement plan. Or if they do, it's just pittance. They expect me to put in. Well, you know, they don't give much vacation at all. What do you think about that company you're working for? That doesn't matter either. Because you're not serving them. Who are you serving? Jesus, the Lord Christ. And so you have no excuse for not giving it your best because you're not serving that boss, you're not serving that company, you're serving the Lord Christ. And since you're serving Jesus Christ, you are to get in there and give it your best. When you realize you're serving Jesus, then you can enjoy your work. You can't enjoy a job when you think you're serving a boss and you just don't like that boss. It's it's almost impossible to enjoy that job. When you think that company is out to get you and that they're just trying to use you, you can't find enjoyment in that job when you think you're serving that company. But when you realize you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can get enjoyment out of your job. And since you're serving Jesus, that means you're ordained for that work. It's a calling. Now some of you thought Jason and I and Paul and Filiberto... Were the only ordained workers here? No. You're an ordained worker. Because as a Christian, God's placed you in a job. That's your calling. You're serving Jesus just like I'm serving Jesus. Ever thought of that? According to this passage, you are serving Jesus Christ where you're working just as much as I'm serving Jesus Christ where I'm working. Now, does that make you see things a little differently? It should. You're not serving the company. You're not serving the boss. You're serving Jesus. That means if you're a mechanic, as a Christian, you're an ordained mechanic. That means if you're a lawyer, you're an ordained lawyer. That means if you're a construction worker, you're an ordained construction worker, if you're a Christian. That means if you work as a secretary, you're an ordained secretary. Whatever your job is, as a Christian, it is a calling. You are called to glorify God in that job. 
You are ordained for that job. Your job's not just for you to make a living. It's not just for you to pay the bills. That's only the secondary thing. That job is for you to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't hear an amen on that? That job is for you to honor Christ and exalt Him. That's what it's for. And when you begin to see that, you can take enjoyment in that job knowing I'm here, Lord. You've placed me here to honor and glorify you. Doesn't matter what I think of the boss. Doesn't matter what I think of the company. I just want to serve and honor and glorify you in this job. Puts it on a whole different level, doesn't it? You say, well, preacher, how can I glorify God in my job? Well, that's the third truth. Paul says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as to the Lord. So we're not only to work, but we're to work as to Jesus, and we are to work heartily as to Jesus. Now, this word heartily is an interesting word. It actually is the word from soul. It says, work from your soul. Now, what's your soul? Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. You know, just who you are. Your being is your soul. And so what Paul is saying is you are to throw yourself into your work completely. Give it your whole being. Now, that's why the translators say heartily. Because we know you think of the heart as being your, the very core and center of your being. So put your heart into it, is what we say. He's saying, put yourself into your job. Give it all you got. Don't do a halfway job. Notice he says in verse 22, that the slaves are to work not with external service, not to be simply men pleasers, not simply for eye service, not just to look good on the surface, you know, you're dogging off and then the boss comes and you start doing everything just right. No, don't be that way. You know, you're doing something on the computer. He shows up, you kind of make the thing go away so he won't see you playing game. No, you give it all you got. Put yourself into it. We are to realize that we're working for Jesus. And when you know you're working for Jesus, how can you give him anything less? than everything you got. Now, if you think you're working for that boss, yeah, I can see how you could give it a halfway job. If you think you're working for that company and they're not treating you right, you can justify in your mind not giving it all you got. But when you realize you're serving Jesus Christ, the one who saved you by His precious blood, the one who cleansed you from your sin, the one who redeemed you from the power of sin, then how can you do anything but give it your best? So Tuesday, when you get back on the job and you find yourself tempted to kind of slack off, you say, now wait a minute, I'm serving Jesus who saved me and washed me and died for me. Now I can give my boss less than everything, but I can't give my Jesus less than everything. Work heartily as to the Lord. I'm in the first church I pastored. It was this young man who was one of the top salesmen in his company. He was a go-getter. And he got saved. I mean, the Lord got a hold of him and radically saved him. About three weeks after that, he was in my office. And he said, Preacher, he said, I just can't get up for work. 
I said, what do you mean? He says, you know, before I became a Christian, man, I was after that almighty dollar. He said, man, I wanted money, and I was out there working like a Trojan because I wanted to make more and more money. But now that I've become a Christian, money's not that important to me anymore, and I can't get myself motivated to go out and sell. So you know what I did? I took my Bible, I flipped over here to this passage in Colossians, and I explained to him exactly what I've been explaining to you today. And I said, you're serving Jesus. It's your way to glorify Him. And so he picked that up. He grabbed a hold of it. He went out with the same zeal, but a new motive. His motive wasn't to make money. His motive was to bring glory to God. And he picked it back up. You and I need to see that. Paul again speaks to this same truth over in Ephesians. When he's speaking to... Some slaves there, he says in Ephesians 6, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Again, Paul is saying the same thing. Work heartily. Put yourself into it as one who is serving God the Lord Christ. So first truth, we ought to work. It's ordained by God. It's not a necessary evil. You need to work. That's why I'm never going to retire. I'm going to get retreaded, but I'm not going to retire. Now don't get worried. I will retire from pastoring, but I will not retire from ministry. I need to do ministry. I know I need to do it. I'll dry up and die if I just stop doing anything. You remember Bear Bryant? It wasn't long after he retired from coaching, but he wasn't here anymore. We need to work. Secondly, we work as to Jesus. That's Jesus that you serve. Number three, you work heartily for Jesus. And the fourth truth is Jesus who will reward you for your work. Again, in verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. In the final analysis, what your supervisor thinks about you is not what's ultimately important. What's ultimately important is what does Jesus think about you? Because it's Jesus who will reward you. You will receive from your Lord the reward. That company may not ever appreciate you and what you do. Your supervisor may never appreciate what you do, but your Jesus will reward you someday. Your Jesus who sees all will reward you. Your Jesus who is faithful will reward you. Your Jesus who never forgets will reward you. And when it's all said and done, what did you rather have? A gold watch? With that company name on the back of it? Or a golden crown given to you from the Lord Jesus? The Lord Jesus will reward you. But now, there's a little negative side to that. 
Paul says in verse 25, For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of his wrong. Since it's the Lord Jesus we serve, if we don't serve him faithfully, if we do not serve him with all of our being, then we're going to have to suffer the consequences of that as well. So here we have two motivations, whichever one appeals to you the most. The positive motivation is Jesus will reward you. You're serving Jesus. But some of you might respond better to the second motivation. If you don't do it, you're going to have to pay the consequences, buddy. Because he does see you all the time. You know, folks say, man, you got the best boss there is. I said, I do, but he sees everything. (laughs) Ain't no dogging with him. He sees it all. He knows it all. So do you enjoy your job? Now, I'm not saying it's always going to be happy. I mean, we all have things about our job that kind of get under our skin every now and then. But is there a deep abiding joy in that job? I think if you'll take these four truths and realize it's ordained of God that you work, that you're working for Jesus, not the company. So what you think of the company doesn't matter. That you're to work heartily, put your whole self into it. And it's from Jesus you will receive your reward. If you'll put these into practice, I promise you, you'll enjoy your job more than you have in the past. Again, the key is not changing jobs, but changing you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you have given us the truth we need to enjoy the job we have. For we know that you have ordained us to work and we will work all of our lives in some way doing some things. The sooner we learn your truth about it, the better we'll be. I pray you would enable us to apply these truths that they would find good and fertile hearts that would bear fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond as the Holy Spirit has dealt with you. If you've never come to the place of surrendering to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to do that today. If you've never come to a place of recognizing that you are separated from a holy God, and there's nothing you can do to remedy that situation, you cannot be good enough to go to heaven. You cannot pay enough money to buy heaven. Jesus paid the price for you in His perfect life, in His willingness to die on the cross. And take your sins upon himself. But he came alive from the dead. Victorious over sin and death. And he offers that eternal life as a free gift. To all who will come in faith. And surrender to him as Lord. Recognizing he's done everything necessary. You can add nothing to it. Just say Jesus. I believe you did it all. You did it all for me. I give myself to you. 